Okay, back to our seats. Opening up our Bibles. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and um, be opening up to uh, Genesis chapter 37. How's everyone doing? Everyone dry? Water in our basements has faded away, or at least frozen for a little while. But, uh, and it's not snowing today yet. Amen. So no uh, notices whether we're having church or not, which is a nice break. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about the message today. Uh, we're talking about knowing God. We're walking through the Old Testament with the vision, the mind to really understand the character of God and to know God, understand Him, to experience Him, become one with Him, and to reflect Him uh, to the world around us. Today we're going to be examining the Joseph story in Genesis. So we'll be actually finishing up the book of Genesis today and next week. Grayson is going to take us on into the book of Exodus, so we're very excited. Some of us are very excited about that. Um, but um, today, the title of the message is God Has a Dream. God Has a Dream. You know, I believe one of the most powerful speeches in American history was I Have a Dream by Martin Luther King Jr., amen? Man, every time I hear that, it just gives me shivers and chills and usually brings a tear or two to my eyes. And uh, actually, I did a whole a sermon one time on why that speech was so powerful. And there's really biblical elements about who God is all traced through uh, that speech, more than just the speech, but the dream and the vision behind it. You know, uh, there's inspirational power of being able to see current injustice, but to have a vision for how things can be in the future. And Martin Luther King said that this dream was rooted in the American dream. Actually, I believe it's rooted more in God's kingdom dream, uh, even deeper. You know, uh, I want to read just a few quotes from this speech. And this all relates to God's dream and how God as a dr God's dream revealed in the life of Joseph. You know, Martin Luther King said, We cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro in Mississippi cannot vote and the Negro in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. No, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. I say to you today, my friends, though... Even though we face difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It's a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. This is, our, and I, this is a little less famous part of the speech, but I really believe that this part of the speech taps into the idea of hope amongst hardship, which is what God's dream is uh, rooted in. It says, this is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we'll be able to hew out of the mountain of despair 
a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this, with this faith, we'll be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. And I just love the imagery of because we have a hope, because God has a dream, we do, we struggle together. You know, I love the, the baby dedications because it's a reminder of how difficult it is to raise children in this day and age. Can I get a witness from the congregation and how that calling to train and instruct our children in the Lord is such a high calling. I can't do it on my own. I need the help of God. I need the help of God's family. I need to believe in something greater than myself. And when the kids stray, as they all do, as I did, right, uh, to believe that 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 challenge is not the end, but God has a dream through that. Amen? Um, and that's, the way, that's, that's what we do as a church. We struggle together. We pray together. We fight together. We become one in Christ together. Not because togetherness is, to, is the goal, but together we can see the blessings of God flow through us out to a world in desperate need of hope. Desperate need of hope. Are you with me there? Amen. And man, you just can't, you just got, can't stop. Just got to get preaching once I hear MLK, right? He's just, ooh, just an amazing American hero. Anyways, okay. Joseph. Let's go to Joseph. Joseph is often famous for his dream. But what I want us to learn today is this isn't about Joseph's dream. This is about knowing God, that, that this is God's dream. God is a dreamer. He has a vision of good. And he works his good dream even through suffering and evil. My prayer today is as we examine the story of Joseph, we will know God as a dreamer and we will all be called to be dreamers as well. Amen? Okay, so Joseph. Joseph is the 11th son. Can you imagine 11 baby dedications, you know? <laughs> Anyways, I doubt they did that. 11th son, and it's been tough. Jo J Jacob, we know, is really, he, he's, he's one who's, who's conflicted. He wrestles with God. He wrestles with men. And just, boy, if you didn't catch Eli's sermon last week, you need to go back on Facebook or podcast or whatever they do um, and, and listen to it. It was amazing. Amen? Where's Eli? Where's, he's right there. Good job. Great job. Okay, um, but uh, Jacob, Jacob is, the family's struggling, okay? Got a couple wives, got a couple hand uh, uh, servants, and Rachel, his favorite wife, it, which is, you know, not the way it's supposed to be, can't have a child, and so the women are competitive. That's shocking. Uh, the, <laughs> so, it's... The men are competitive, too. We'll find that out later. I'm sorry. Okay, forgive me. All right, we're all struggling. Let's struggle together. Okay, so the women are competitive, and the men are competitive. The sons are competitive. Jacob's competitive. It is a divided mess. 
okay? And Rachel's unable to have children, and there's all kinds of issues and problems. There's marriage issues between Rachel and Jacob. And finally, Rachel has Joseph and later Benjamin. And of course, Jacob is as Joseph as his favorite, okay? And that usually doesn't go well, um, favoritism like that. And so here we, here we have, a, see, when I get in trouble when I say things like this, let's just read the scripture, okay? Let's get to reading. Okay, so let's read Genesis 37. We're going to read 1 through 11, and then we're going to skip a little bit later um, to, the, to the story of Joseph. But read this on your own, Genesis 37 through 50. It's just an amazing story of God's dream. So Genesis 37, now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Okay, now, we don't exactly know, honestly, how Joseph's doing, how he's processing this, but it doesn't sound good. Because you've got a young, could you imagine being the youngest of 11, picked on, hated, all this kind of stuff? And then he has this dream, basically about how he's going to be the boss of everyone else. Now, if you're, I was the youngest of four. If I had a dream about how I was going to be the boss of my siblings, I would be very eager to share that. And it probably wouldn't be like, I don't know, just had a dream. We would be like, listen to what I had, boys. You know, <laughs> right? I mean, we don't know, but it's not going well. Okay, verse 9. Now he still had another dream and related it to his brothers. You know, at some point, Joseph may just want to keep these things uh, to himself. Anyway, um, and said, Lo, I don't know if he actually said low, but it's an interesting version. Lo, I have had still another dream. And behold, the sun and the, and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He related it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. The father kept this in mind. Does that remind you of any time else the Bible says that one of the parents kept this in mind? That's right, Mary, about Jesus, says she kept the prophecy in mind. And I think this Joseph absolutely points to Jesus, yet the Old Testament writers didn't even know. Isn't that cool? Points to that this is the word of God. Okay, so anyways, Joseph 
has these dreams. Everyone's bowing down to him. His brothers are hating on him. And so trying to, to kind of walk through this story, the brothers uh, get the idea to kill him. And they're like, no, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him as a slave to, uh, you know, um, eventually it's going to be the Egyptians. So they throw him in the pit. Reuben's like, oh, I'm going to save him. They sell him before Reuben comes back. Oh, no, he's gone. It's a, it's a bad thing. And so they make up the story. This is what we do and we struggle and we sin. Then we make up lies to cover it up. Okay, just, we're just like them. Okay, they'll go back to Jacob. I don't know, here's the coat. It's got blood on it. Um, jo- Jacob is heartbroken, horrible grief. And so Joseph gets sold uh, in slavery into, down into Egypt. And he, though, um, keeps his righteousness. He works hard and he works his way to be the right-hand person of Potiphar. And um, Potiphar trusts him with everything. So we see a lot about the character of Joseph. We see he's reliable. We see integrity. We see hard work, all these types of things in his character. But he's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. So he's handsome. He's young. uh, He's got power. And so um, Potiphar's wife basically comes on to him, wants to sleep with him. If you think the Bible's boring, you haven't read it very much because there is all kinds of, I mean, daytime television has nothing compared to what's going on in the scripture, okay? Um, And so anyway, she's like seducing him, and he's like, no, I'm not going to give over to this. I'm young, I'm single, et cetera, but I'm not giving over to this because the, you know, Potiphar has has entrusted to me all this, and I couldn't, I'm not going to sin like this. And so he flees the temptation, which is what we to do. What, that's how we handle temptation. We want to be righteous. We don't mess around with it. We don't, oh, well, how about we just watch Netflix for a while? No, I'm out of here. That's what he said, okay? And he fled the temptation, and uh, um, she falsely accuses him, and Potiphar gets mad, throws him in prison. You would think at some point the dream start to fade away, the mind of Joseph. You know what? I've been mistreated by my brothers. I've been mistreated by this woman. Forget it. I've tried to be righteous. I've tried to do what was right. And where has it got me? In prison, once again. But he doesn't. He doesn't lose heart. The mountain of despair, somehow he hewed out a stone of hope. And he stayed faithful and righteous. And he worked his way up in prison. And the prison... The, the guy leading the prison was uh, trusted him so much that he made him second in command. He kept working, and so then there's the baker and the cupbearer, right, that have a dream. And so here we see the dream, the, the idea of dream kind of runs all through the narrative of Joseph. And so these guys have dreams, okay? And they're like, Joseph's like, what's up? You guys look sad today. And like, well, we had this weird dream, and the baker had the dream where um, there's a basket and the birds come and pluck the bread out of the basket, and the cupbearer has a dream. Uh, I can't remember exactly the details of that dream, but it's a, it's a dream, okay? Read it on your own. All right. It's in there. Uh, anyways, he has a dream, and Joseph interprets the dream. It's like, to the cupbearer, it's like, hey, good news. You're going to get restored back to your position uh, in three days. And so the baker's like, hey, that was a good, a good message, Got a good message for me? And he's like, okay, here's the interpretation. Mm, you're going to die in three days. Sorry. Right? Joseph had to be honest. 
okay? A messenger of God has to be honest whether the people are going to like it or not. Amen? We have a responsibility as a people to share the truth of God's Word. Sometimes it's a good message and sometimes it's a challenging one, okay? So, anyways, this is an interpretation exactly comes true. Um, and Joseph's like, oh, by the way, just don't forget me here in prison. Cupbearer restored to his position, forgotten. So Joseph has been betrayed by his brothers, sold, sold into slavery, betrayed by his boss, his boss's wife, forgotten in prison. Uh, it just, where, you know, the guy never gets a break, right? Do, do we sometimes feel that way? Like, can something go well at some point around here, right? But he didn't lose hope. He kept his faith. Okay, let's turn over to Genesis 45 now. Pharaoh has a dream, and no one can interpret the dream. And then the cupbearer is like, oh, that's right, Joseph in prison, okay? And calls Joseph in. He's like, I know a guy who can interpret dreams. Okay, so the, so the Pharaoh has the dream, and Joseph's like, this is what it's going to mean. Seven years of abundance, and then seven years of famine. He's like, I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job, Pharaoh, but listen, you better get someone in charge of collecting a lot of grain during the abundant years because there's not going to be anything during the years of famine. you got to have someone who's this, this, and this. And Pharaoh's like, I got just the guy. You're the man, all right? And so they're just like, okay. And uh, becomes second in command of all of Egypt, okay? And so the, the famine starts to happen. And or the abundant years happen, and then the famine starts to happen just as God revealed to Joseph because it's not Joseph's dream. Remember, it's God's dream, and God's working out his dream even through all kinds of means that Joseph's not aware of. And so now we have the brothers hungry coming down to Egypt to get grain, and Joseph sees them. And you have the incredible reunion of the brothers. Let's read here in Joseph. Excuse me, Genesis 45. We're going to read verses 1 through 15. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried. So, so he, this is where he's, he's dealing with the fact that he's re-entering back in this relationship with his brothers. He cried, have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go 
up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall live in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will also provide for you, for there are still five years of famine to come. You and your household and all that you, you have will be, excuse me, and all that you have would be impoverished. Behold, your eyes see in the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth which is speaking to you. Now you must tell my father of all my splendor in Egypt and all that you have seen and must hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them. And afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the temptation in Joseph for bitterness and anger and holding it against them? But he knew that there was something greater than himself going on here. There was something dream happening that was greater than himself, greater than his brothers and their sins against him. Uh, the betrayal, the hardship, the, the, for, the, 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 the being forgotten in prison, etc. Something greater is going on. There's a dream of God happening. And I love this. The Bible uh, uh, is so funny. It says, um, and, and by the way, he's just weeping and he's crying and he's, I mean, you guys think I cry a lot. It's, you know, Joseph, he's, he's sensitive, right? So we see his sensitivity. We know that sometimes sensitive people can get even more discouraged, can feel things even deeper, right? And yet Joseph did not give up on God's dream all along. And then there's a little humor I love in verse 24. So he sent his brothers on away, and as they departed, he said to them, uh, don't quarrel on the journey. <laughs> I love it, right? Uh, hey. Don't fight too much, guys. Sense of humor there. I, I like it. Anyways. Okay, let's read chapter 46. Listen as Jacob finds out. So Israel, verse 1, set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. God spoke to Israel, remember that's the new name for Jacob, in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will close your eyes. Foreshadowing to the whole book and story of the Exodus. This is beyond Jacob. This is beyond Joseph. This is beyond the family this is, this is about the people of God and beyond them even. Um, let's skip over to chapter 50. So Jacob goes down. They reunite. Um, it's, it's an amazing reunion. Jacob blesses Pharaoh, which that doesn't happen. No one blesses the, the, the king of Egypt. He just blesses one. But Jacob comes and bless you, you know, Pharaoh, okay? It's amazing, okay? And then chapter 50, Jacob dies. And then the sons are worried, right? Because maybe Joseph was just nice to them because Jacob was around. But now Jacob's gone. And Joseph can do whatever he wants, right? So they're worried. They're still guilty about what happened. In chapter 50, verse 15, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, 
They said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father charged before he died saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. Here's the dream actually happening. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me. He's honest with the reality that you meant evil, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Are you kidding me? We, we get like cut off on the highway and we're like... Right? Are you... And Joseph gets betrayed. They were going to murder him, right? And here he not only forgives, he reunites and he speaks kindly to them. Is this not a picture of Jesus? Love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Those who are crucified on the cross. He prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they need. See, see God is, God, wasn't God in the Old Testament, oh, he's just law. He's just wrath. Are you kidding me? There's redemption. There's mercy. There's the grace of God all through. God doesn't change. Okay, so as he reveals himself like this, we need to see God. We need to see Jesus. And we need to see how we need to be, amen, today as Jesus' church. Okay, four, uh, um, four quick points about God has a dream. Look, my timer, it's, it didn't even start yet. <laughs> I know that joke's getting old, but you still laughed, so. Get, okay, four quick points, kind of practicals. Number one, God is a dreamer, and he dreams good dreams. Who is God? So we're trying to figure out, who is God? God is a visionary. God is a dreamer, and he's a good. God is good. A fruit of the Spirit is goodness. So his dreams are good. His visions are good. His plans for us as his people, it's a good plan, amen? His plans for you, it's good. You say, well, I don't know. I, all the goodness hasn't happened the way I thought it would. Listen, we'll get to that in a minute, okay? Genesis 12, God has a dream to bless all the nations through Abraham, uh, through, through his, through, to create a family and a people and a nation. Exodus, the dream is to call forth this redeemed people from the Egypt. Luke chapter 4, Jesus says the dream is being fulfilled. Bring good news to the poor. Uh, freedom for the prisoner. The blind will see. The oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Matthew 28, the dream to go make disciples of all nations. And I want to read the dream in Revelation chapter 21. All through the scriptures we see God has a vision. No matter how dark it gets, we must be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. Because that's who God is, and that's who he always will be. In Revelation 21, listen to this dream. Verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw 
had a vision, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, adorned for her husband. There's, there may not be a greater moment in the life of, that's why I like to do weddings. My favorite moment in the wedding is to stand up here and the doors open and I just look at her and then I look at him and he's like, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, and this is the vision of Jesus. But it's not about marriage. Ephesians says marriage isn't about marriage. It's about Christ and the church. So this is the vision of Jesus delighting over you, his bride. Jesus is a blubbering, uh, 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 heart-softened groom over his bride. And this is the vision. It says, I heard a voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no longer any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. This is the vision of God. Amen? God is a dreamer, and he dreams good dreams. Um, his dreams for us as his family is to be a blessing to the city, to make disciples, to build a family, to remember the poor. Uh, just had a, 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 uh, one of the uh, friends who came here, he, he walks in, he's like, man, this is, a, this is a cool environment. This is like a family. I'm like, that's a family. That's what God's people should be. What happens when a family gets together for a family reunion? Is it silent and stiff and no one can say a word? No, there's laughter and there's singing. There's alcohol usually. I mean, yeah. okay. Just move on. Okay. Um, God has a dream for you. God has a dream for his people. But God has a dream for you as well. Amen? To use you to be a blessing. And number two, God's dreams are way beyond us. God dreams, God's dreams are way beyond us. You know, uh, um, I have been blessed in my life with many things. But one of the things I've been blessed with is a, wait for it, a pump. Okay? A pump that pumps water out of wet basements. Okay? So I've been blessed. I didn't know it was quite a blessing until this week. Okay? But I was blessed, and the word came out, hey, water in the basement. And uh, I know this individual wasn't going to ask me for help, so I just grabbed my pump, and I went over there, and I said, here's the pump, okay? And, uh, uh, and so uh, some of you are looking at him right now, you know that. Anyways, uh, it's tough. It's tough to be a, a family. Anyways, uh, um, and, and I was just, I felt so alive, like, man, I'm able to help in a moment of need. Right, with my little pump, okay? Probably still working this morning. Anyways, uh, uh, Joseph had a dream, and it was about people bowing down to him. And you can't help but think that in his mind as the youngest picked on all the guys, he can't help to think that he had the thought of, man, I can't wait to be king. <laughs> kind of like a little Lion King, you know? <laughs> little Simba. Is it Simba, right? Yeah. Can't wait to be king. Um, but little did he know. Little did he know what he would have to go through, what God would have to shape in him. But wait a second. 
God, Joseph was blessed with character, a resilient spirit, intelligence, extremely spiritual. Those were gifts from God. But it wasn't about Joseph, was it? It wasn't about that Joseph was this awesome young guy, and so the dream would come true. It's not what it was about. It was about God's dream. It was about providing for the family. So it wasn't just about the family. It was about building a nation that God would draw forth and redeem in the book of Exodus. But it wasn't about just the physical nation of Israel. God's dream was that someday there would be a true Israel, a spiritual nation drawn forth from all the nations that would come to Christ and be united in Christ through faith. But it wasn't about just that nation being blessed, that this spiritual nation then would be, be a blessing to all nations, right? And we would see that, and then someday Jesus would bring his kingdom, and there would be the vision of Revelation 21. Did Joseph know all this? No way, no way. The, the Old Testament writers didn't even know about it. Sometimes we make the dream all about us, but it's not about us. Purpose Driven Life, the, the first line, I would recommend reading by Rick Warren, the first line is, it's not about you. At some point, we've all made our lives about us. That's where sin comes from. We make it about us. Um, we, we get messed up, and we mess it up, and we miss the blessing. But when we make it about God, and we make it about others, God works through messed up us and blesses our neighbors and blesses the nations. Amen? It's not about us. Number three, God works the dream even, and I may even say especially through suffering and evil. God works the dream. We know that. John 5, 17 says God is always at work. What is he at work doing? Shoveling the driveway in heaven? No, he's at work fulfilling his dream, right? Um, but especially through suffering and evil we see here in Joseph. You may think, that's great. God's got a dream, but I'm too sinful. I'm too weak. I, you know, my family's sinful. I'm messed up. They're messed up. I'm, my marriage is struggling. My kids are struggling. Listen, if God could only work through perfect people and perfect circumstances, we'd all be without hope. But because God works even through suffering, which we're to consider pure joy, James chapter 1, even through suffering, even through sin, even through evil, God brings about his dream. How does he do that? That's a complicated question. I don't always have to know the hows or the whys. I just got to know that it's true. And I'm going to believe it. Amen? But God works through the evil of those brothers. It was evil. God worked through the evil of that lustful woman. It was evil. God worked through all kinds of evil to bring about his dream. Does that mean, oh, sin, no matter, God will still work through it? Of course not, Romans 6, right? If you think that, you're messed up, okay? Oh, if, if God can work through it, I'm just going to go sin all the more. No, you don't love God then, okay? But the point is, is that, man, we think that God can't do it because I'm too sinful. No, 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 no. Your sin is not bigger than God. Your deceitful, struggling heart is not greater than the power of God to work his dream through us. That's what we see in Joseph. That yes, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Amen and amen? That should give us so much hope. Let me catch up. 
if we feel disadvantaged, discouraged, disheartened, disqualified, we're wrong. We're wrong. God can work through all those things. And lastly, we all must dream. Acts 2.17 says, When God poured out His Spirit, it said that the young men shall see visions and the old men dream dreams. One of the fruits of the Spirit is that you and I are visionaries. We're dreamers. We don't just see what is, we see what can be through the power of God. Amen? Are you a visionary? Do you have a vision? Or are you just complaining? Sitting around complaining about the way it is. Listen, anyone can complain. Oh, those snowplow drivers. Man, they should get here more. Or, oh, the snow. You know, if I hear, honestly, we need to stop complaining about the snow, okay? <laughs> Philippians 4 says, rejoice always, even when it's snowing in March, and it'll probably snow in April. And matter of fact, the more you complain about it, the more it's going to perturb you. So stop. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to myself here, okay? I'm so sick of the snow. Are you with me? I need to tell myself, stop. Stop. Okay? Anyone can see a problem. Well, I, got a, I see a problem in my spouse. How long did that take? Do you only see the problem, or do you see God working through it and how you can help it? Oh, my kids. Oh, my kids. Yeah, they're kids. They're no worse than you. They're just doing what you did when you were a teenager. Reminder. Okay. I see some of you who are pregnant are like, oh, they're, yeah, they're going to do it. Okay. <laughs> if your vision is overcome, if your dreams are overcome by hard circumstances, you're not spiritual. Because the Holy Spirit gives you dreams beyond human limitations in human resources and human abilities. Amen? Isn't that encouraging? So we can dream as a church, not based on where we're at and our resources, but based on who God is and His resources. You can dream as a family. You can dream as an individual. Be a dreamer, not just a complainer or a critic. The Spirit's presence means the presence of dreams and visions. Two challenges for us. Let the spiritual dream overpower the worldly dream. Oh, I got a lot of dreams. It's richness. It's yachts. It's uh, I'm going to pay off USC to get my child in there or whatever. That's my dream. Listen, that's a worldly dream. That's a dumb dream, okay? Um, do dream for something that's eternal. Kingdom dreams don't die when you die. They multiply and there's treasures in heaven. Amen? So let the spiritual dream overcome the worldly dream. And secondly, dream not to be blessed. Dream to be a blessing. Dream not to be blessed. I want more. I want this. I want that. Me. Me. Self. Self. Boy, what can I do to be a blessing? What have you been blessed with? Blessed with? What have you been gifted with? I just need to stop talking. Okay, I just wanted Sarah's story. I, I went to the dentist this week. Are there any dentists in here? I mean, Heather, Heather's the... So, apologies, Heather. Okay? But I just, I do not like going to the dentist. I, it smells weird. Uh, my teeth hurt when they work on it. I get lectured. 
I feel guilty. Why don't you floss more? I avoid going. <laughs> kind of sounds like church, right? Uh, hopefully that's not your church experience. Um, anyways, I went to the dentist, and there's this uh, dental hygienist named Ann Dome. Some of you may know her. Now, there's a picture. Can you show the picture? So, so I, she's like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a minister. And so it's interesting. When you tell someone you're a minister, it's, it's just very interesting to watch. I think a lot of times, okay, I, I'm sorry I said that earlier. I'm like, you know, <laughs> it's awkward. Okay. Um, um, but anyway, she's like, oh, okay, well, I'll tell you this. And everyone who comes and sits in her chair, she prays for and she prays to be a blessing to. And I was just like, wow, so it's, this is like your ministry. She's like, yeah, I pray for it. And I just listen for needs. And I turn around and I write down needs and I pray for them. And she's like, yeah, the other day this guy came in and he just kind of threw out in passing that he got put on the kidney donor list. She's like, oh, I'm going to pray for him. And she's like, oh, by the way, what's your, what's your blood type? And he said, oh, I can't remember, A positive or something like that. She's like, hmm, that's my blood type, you know. And long story short, dental hygienist gives one of her kidneys to a guy she doesn't know because she wanted to be a blessing instead of just get a blessing. I was like, are you kidding me? And then she was like, yeah, that's great. I got two. Why did he needed one? I got two. There you go. Like, ah, like my pump, you know. It's like, wow. Um, but then she's like, yeah, one of my kids is serving in Africa. And, and, you know, she's working on my teeth. So I was like, oh, like, I want to say, like, I'm going to go to Africa. But I had to wait like 10 minutes, you know. There's a lot of plaque in there. So anyways, uh, and finally I'm like, well, we're going to Africa. She's like, you're going to Africa? She turns around right down. She's like, you need toothbrushes? I'm like, yeah. She's like, I'll get you toothbrushes. I'm just like, I walked in so convicted. Wow, what a, what a woman, right? A dream to be a blessing, to bring a blessing, and God works powerfully. Have you been wounded? Is there deep suffering in your life? Sometimes this is where our greatest passions, our greatest dreams come from. Um, look for God. Others may have intended evil, but God may be working. God is working, I believe, for the good. Amen? And the whole kidney, giving the kidney story reminds me of Jesus. And we'll think about Jesus as we prepare for communion. Jesus didn't give a kidney, right? He didn't give toothbrushes. He gave what we most needed. He gave, he offered himself as the sacrificial lamb of God. Only he could be what, exactly what we needed. And he gave himself, he gave his blood, he gave his life. But God didn't abandon him, just like God didn't abandon Joseph in prison. God did not abandon Jesus in the, in the grave, but raised him from the dead. And he lives today, and that's what we remember, that from the mountain of despair, there was a stone of hope that came from that. And that hope lives today. Amen? So let's remember Jesus, and let's be inspired to be dreamers. Father, thank you for this time of communion. Thanks, it's just a time to remember, just a time to think, to ponder, to meditate on who you are, who Jesus is, who the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, raising Jesus from the dead, and that he's alive today. We remember him, 
the, 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 uh, not just the sacrifice, but the why, the reason behind the sacrifice, but also that he's alive and that through taking communion and participating in this, we proclaim his name, his power, his hope for the age to come until he comes and we receive hope. God, help us to not just be discouraged today, but to be inspired by the dentist, to be inspired by Martin Luther King Jr., mostly to be inspired by Joseph and ultimately Jesus, that out of the mountain of despair, there can be hewn of stones of hope. God, we love you. Be with us during this time, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.